storytelling stories from the EGA Clubhouse. All right, everybody. Hey, this is Chris Fedner, and we're telling stories at the EGA Clubhouse. Today, we're very lucky to have Josh Miller from 3Play. He's the uh, co-founder and co-CEO. Welcome, Josh. Thanks, Chris. Pleasure to be here. All right. So, Josh, uh, I guess we'll, you know, there's a lot of things to talk about, but probably the, the best place to start is just what is 3Play? What is the sort of origin story of 3Play? Yeah, definitely a good place to start. So, we started 3Play Media in 2008. Uh, with a customer before a product, which is always kind of an interesting story to, to tell. Uh, we're in the video accessibility space, so closed captioning, subtitling, audio description. Um, that's what we started out doing and, and still what we do today. Uh, but the story goes, goes a little bit like this. We, we were uh, a group of four uh, students at MIT Sloan and all very interested in entrepreneurship and interested in finding something fun to work on together. So that was the starting point. Um, one of the four had a relationship with the folks at MIT OpenCourseWare. And this was the first group really putting content up online for free, meaning educational content, lectures. So the really the first MOOC, if you will. Um, what was happening at that time was that the fund, the funding sources, the they were giving them grant money. Some of these big foundations basically told them that if they wanted to continue getting funding, they needed to make the content accessible. Um, so the first part was, what does that mean, right? Because at the time, nobody was really talking about making content online accessible. It was something that had been around for a long time in the broadcast space and in, in kind of more mainstream media, but not in, on the web. Um, and so as they went out to look for solutions to actually make the content accessible, they found that it was going to be half their annual budget. So that wasn't going to work. And that's really what kind of spurred us to start looking into what that meant. Like, what does it mean to create captions? You know, ultimately, captions are time synchronized text to the speech uh, with a few extra things to make sure that someone who really cannot hear can follow along appropriately. And that actually became our litmus test as we developed the product. If you turn the sound off, does it make sense? Can you follow along? And that was that you know, for, for us, because we could hear, that was our way of, of testing and making sure we were doing a good job. But that's ultimately what, what got us started is this, this clear need to make content accessible in this kind of educational setting. Uh, we found that the clearly the price points were not very friendly. Uh, we also learned very quickly that the workflows for a web setting were not very friendly. And we felt like there was a real opportunity to build something interesting here uh, because we didn't see very many interesting applications to, to web content. Uh, YouTube had just kind of taken off and it was, became a real thing. So we felt like there was, there was something here that we, we wanted to explore. And, and uh, we avoided media because there were clearly providers there. We weren't going to be able to differentiate and we, we recognized coming out of business school, we didn't want to play the price game. We wanted to play the differentiation game and, and really show value. So we, we focused entirely on web video and really in the education space in the beginning uh, as we kind of got our bearings. Yeah. And so talk a little bit about because uh, I think you realized rightly that you needed to be disruptive, right? That there needed to be, you know, the old model was almost stenographer type. Uh, live captioning or or offline captioning, and that you um, you rightly understood there were encumbrance there, and it was going to be that was going to be a, a tough 
uh, a tough sell. So you you almost were a technology first company and an innovation company. Um, so speak a little bit about that and what, yeah, what signals you saw. That's a great point. So when we started, uh, we started with the idea that we could use speech recognition. In fact, we almost didn't want to do it if we couldn't. Uh, meaning that we felt like we needed to use technology to speed up the process because the creating captions was just incredibly labor intensive um, and people are more expensive than machines. Uh, and not to say we wanted to replace people, but we wanted to make people more efficient. And that's still something that we live by today is that as identify what parts of any process can be automated, can be standardized, and then optimize the human to do the things that really only a human can do well. So we basically set out on this, uh, this idea of, of using speech recognition and finding ways to clean that up and make all the proper corrections as fast as possible. And then also do some additional QC to that, um, again, using humans. So a human would actually go through the entirety of the video making corrections, then a human would do, would do some QA checks. Um, that's to process one file. So in a, in a way, we were really thinking about two really big problems. One is how do you make the, the single file process more efficient? And we think about uh, times real time. So how much time does a human have to spend on a single file uh, compared to the actual runtime of the video? So for back when we were starting, it, would, it could take a human 10 times real time. So if there was an hour of content to transcribe it, to synchronize it, to break all the lines properly and create a finished caption file, it might take 10 hours uh, to complete that one hour. And so we were very determined to get that down because the goal was not to eliminate the human, it was all about optimize, optimize their time. Um, so that was problem one. Problem two is how do you operationalize it to be standardized from one file to 10 files to 100 files to 100,000 files? Because at this point we have thousands and thousands of files running through our system every day and we, it, it doesn't make sense for us to be checking them or you know, touching them in any way. So we had to build an entire operation system around deadline compliance, quality compliance, and, and all the different pieces to make sure that this could keep cranking uh, somewhat unsupervised. Yeah. What, what was it harder than you thought it would be in the early days? And, and what were some of the, the pitfalls? Yeah. So, so it's a great question. And so the, 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 the story that we still tell today that is we would start calling up universities who we knew were doing things with video and they would say, yeah, we do need to make our content accessible, but we're still figuring out how to get our video online. I mean, we were early to this market. And so that, that was one of the biggest challenges that we had is, is being early to this web video, streaming video market where people were still figuring things out. Uh, and, and we clearly are dependent on people having content uh, ready to, to publish. And so that was, that was a very real challenge. It just made things go a little slower. Um, and, and I think the other was just general awareness is that, you know, the, the difference between the accessibility conversations today and five years ago, let alone 10 years ago, is dramatic. Um, and so when we would, we would go to some trade shows and people would come to our booth and they'd say, so, so what do you do? What is this? And then a couple of years later, that would, that would evolve slowly to, so how does it work, right? So they understood that the closed captioning was for video and it was for accessibility and that was a good thing. Uh, but you know, th that evolution from what is it to how does it work? It was, a, it was a real sign of, of the market changing. So that, that was very encouraging for us. Um, and now where we are today um, and, and partly fueled by the pandemic, honestly, is, is this awareness of inclusion of accessibility, the need to 
um, to make content open and available to everyone. And that gets into languages. I think that's a really interesting topic and something that from the very beginning, we focused on how to change the conversation away from compliance and more about value. And that this was a way to open up audiences to engage people. And it didn't have to all be about regulation and, and checking the box. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit further, because I do think that's an interesting uh, evolution of it, which is it, it, it was a mandate, right? It, it, in, in a broadcast world, it was if you have this many viewers, you have to do this many hours. It was a very clear cut expectation around compliance and, and, and what you had to do. And you still see that. Uh, in Europe and other places. But when the streamers came along, it, it really did shift, uh, I think, a little bit. I don't know. I don't want to say that it was entirely because of streamers, but it absolutely shifted to being a, an inclusion play. And it's about having um, maximum total addressable market and things like that. So can you speak to that a little bit more? And, and, and yeah, what you've I, seen? I completely agree. Um, so there are a couple of events that we think about in our history that, that made a big difference. Um, one is the streamers um, and what they've done and bringing content online, um, first with captions, then with subtitles in, in terms of opening up audiences. The other is actually YouTube launching automated captioning. Um, and so at first there was a concern that that you know that could actually be you know a real um, damaging point for us because you know here's YouTube, the biggest video platform launching automated captioning. What everyone finally learned very well, very quickly learned is that automation, while nice, it, it doesn't solve this problem. And there's still too many mistakes. And still to this day, you know, automated speech recognition is, is great for some applications not to solve this entirely. Um, but that brought awareness. That's one of the things that is so powerful. And I'd say the same for the streamers is that as big name companies, big name platforms are adding captions, talking about captions, it got people to realize they like captions, whether they need them or not. And I think that was one of the big things that really changed the game is, you know, people are now watching content originating in the UK with the English subtitles on because it might be hard as an American to follow all the accents. Um, and that's just a very basic example. Um, you know, people abroad will use the English captions if there's no other option, because that's still better than trying to follow along, you know, just with the way our brains process content. It's just easier to read than it is to listen if you're not familiar with the language. So there were some very real applications that became more mainstream uh, that were a, a very real catalyst to uh, to making this more um not just more accepted, but actually expected uh, from from the audience perspective. So, to some extent, it's about it was about um, it was about other use cases that were unanticipated have driven some demand. Is that is that fair? I think it's 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 an and right. It's not an or here. Is I think yeah. that absolutely uh, drove demand um, and accelerated the market for this. But I do think what happened in right around 2010 was the CBIA went into effect um, for web content, which, you know, just so everyone knows, it's basically that was the law that was signed in that said, hey, when all of that broadcast content that's now being posted online is online, it also has to be captioned. And that wasn't happening before. So in 2008, if, you know, ESPN put a clip online, there was no rule that it had to be captioned. So they did nothing wrong by not having it captioned. 
Um, so things like that change pretty dramatically too. So now all of a sudden, again, people are getting used to the idea that captions are everywhere and they have the option yeah. of not, or, you know, watching on their phone on the subway. It's a lot easier to put the captions on than to, you know, kind of mess around with your headphones and you can follow along. So I think people, people got used to it pretty quickly. And so I think there was a combination of both increased regulation and enforcement uh, along with um, the ease of access, which was, which was really interesting. And that, that just so that we're clear, that that law basically states that people have to have parity, right? If it was if it, if it was captioned, if the rule applied on broadcast, it applies on exactly. So web, right? yeah, it, the the relatively straightforward way to think about it is if it was captioned on television, it must be captioned as good or better when it's online. And so. Um, and then I, you know, I think you see other use cases too, right? I, I've read studies that say that children learn to read faster if they have captions on. And 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 I don't know if you have any any additional context around that, but I think that people are just seeing there's a lot of value to captions outside of um, people with uh, who have hearing impairment, right? Oh, absolutely, and and that's what we always kind of assumed and kind of knew. Um, you know, it helps to have data on this. So there have been some, some pretty interesting surveys over the years that are more recently. Uh, Verizon Media and Publicis put out a study a couple of years ago that basically pro- proved that people expect to have captions available if they need them. Um, people often watch content with captions on when they don't need to, but they have them on more often than not. And we, we put captions on in our house for all, pretty much every show like all the all the streaming platforms that our boys have access to the captions are on by default whether they realize it or not and they're on all the time Um, because i've seen the same studies is that yeah it can help with reading comprehension and and things like that so um, i think that's very real and and then we've done some studies ourselves around the use of captions in an academic setting um, to the point where it's actually proven to have there were there were higher test outcomes in some cases uh, where text was available, captions were available, transcripts were available, uh, just because it helps with content comprehension and retention. Um, and, and then students also just kind of from a survey response basically made it clear that they like having captions and they it helps them focus. Um, so I think yeah. that's another piece here. Now we have four different devices going at the same time. Captions catch people's attention. It actually does get them to lock in and, and follow along. So it can, it can be pretty powerful. And what about, I've, I've also read about um, things like indexing material and being able to then find things. And, um, you know, it really is, uh, it, it does make sort of discoverability of specific things easier as well, right? I don't know if you guys have a big yeah. part of your business around yeah, that. Yeah, well. it's absolutely right. We, and we touted that really early on. We have some tools that we, we call an interactive transcript. And so it basically gives a layer of interactivity with search, navigation. You can click on a word, jump to that part of the video, search across an entire media library and jump to an exact point in a different video. Um, so, yeah, and it's, it's all off the same data. It's all off that time synchronized text data. Uh, it can be very, very powerful if implemented the right way. Yeah, I imagine, in, especially in an academic uh, use case that could be very interesting if you want to go and find something very specific and 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 find it and read exactly imagine imagine studying for an exam and you need to review that two minute segment that the professor went over a very specific topic rather than go through and try to figure out where that was you can search for the term jump right to it review it and move on to the next topic so it, it's absolutely very powerful so so we've talked a lot about 
captioning, but, but three play is more than captioning and you increasingly have more service offerings. So um, maybe you could speak to some of the other things that you guys are starting to get into. And then we, we will talk about the acquisition because I think that probably plays into it as well. But yeah, uh, no, but yeah, no. if, you could, if you could talk about just some of the other stuff you do. Definitely. And yeah, you're right. It's a good, it's a good segue into that. So we uh, started out with really transcription and captioning, started to get into some other services, specifically subtitling was, it was, a, was a big one. Um, and then audio description. So as, as we, we grew, we certainly expanded well beyond education very quickly, got into really every, um, every aspect of video publishing. So, or, or kind of any type of video publisher, so the enterprise, government, media, and we really work with anyone publishing video these days. Um, and not surprisingly, people have different use cases and applications that just need more services. Captioning wasn't enough. Um, and our view of, as, to, as, as far as who we would be, would be, you know, how can we innovate to make this process easier, you know, from end to end when it comes to video accessibility? And, and how can we really deliver peace of mind to the customer, knowing that we can absolutely get everything done for them on time, high, with high quality, and really all of it. Um, so, so we started doing uh, the subtitling piece um, probably about six, seven years ago. Um, and that was just out of, out of customer demand. It was very clear that that was a very logical add-on to closed captioning. Um, you know, fits right into the whole idea of audience expansion. Um, and you know, it was clear, especially in the enterprise and media, that's the reality now. Content's going everywhere and your audiences are coming from everywhere. So, so that was really important. Um, and then got into audio description because of this accessibility landscape evolving. Um, and that you know, not only did customers need it, but there was much more legislation and actually enforcement of, of the ADA and, and some other laws around audio description um, that, that made people need to figure something out fast. And that was another huge opportunity for us to, to bring innovation to the market because the audio description traditionally is extremely expensive because it's, it's a very labor intensive process. And so we really thought about how can we leverage what we've learned in captioning? How can we leverage what we've learned in just the overall operations to speed up that process um, without sacrificing quality and deliver something at, at scale? Um, so we, we launched that uh, about four years ago. Um, that's been a really interesting area because uh, there are so many different places where audio description is, is really necessary. Um, and, you know, audio description isn't as well known as captioning uh, just because it's one of those things that you may not use if you don't need it. Um, but it's, it's been an area of, of very real growth. Um, and now live captioning. So live captioning kind of, for, in our minds, really kind of brings the whole thing together of having really every uh, piece of the pie when it comes to video accessibility and engagement. So um, really excited about what we're doing with live. Definitely ties into what we're, what, why we got excited about the, the acquisition of CaptionMax. Um, and, and there's just a lot of opportunity there. And, and part of that's also, again, driven by customer demand. Look what's happened the last two years we're all remote for part of the time and go back and forth. You know, we have virtual events, hybrid events, and the, the need goes way beyond live events on broadcast now. But even the networks who are traditionally doing live sporting events or live events on television, they're doing live events on streaming platforms now too. Um, and so live content, the need for live captioning is, is never been what it's like today. It's, it's, it's growing very fast. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's true of probably all things, right? You could say that about even just traditional dubbing and everything. It's just the, the amount of dollars, the billions and billions of dollars that are being spent on getting content in front of people, everything follows that, right? You know, every, every service that needs to touch it. Um, and and it's, it's funny because I've seen so much investment in this space. And I think that when you really boil sort of VC money and also just private equity money and everything else, they, they all follow kind of similar hypotheses, which is just if the bottom number gets bigger, then the top number gets bigger or vice versa, you know? And so um, it's, it's a really done at a very macro kind of trend. Um, they make these decisions, you know? It's true. I mean, it, it, what's interesting is that there's no question there's more content than ever before. With more content, I mean, and the ability to reach audiences easier, you're, you're bringing in new challenges. You know, I mean, there's just no way around it. Um, so that opens up the opportunity to either expand existing services or need to come up with new, new ones entirely uh, to address that. And so one of the things that uh, I don't think a whole lot of people heard outside of the United Nations a few years ago was this need for live translation. And now we, we hear that pretty regularly that, you know, whether it be a hybrid event, that's a global event, you know, big conference, there just needs to be a way to very quickly, if not in real time, translate that content into, into multiple languages, because that's just the new reality. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and obviously there's, there's always going to be a, a strata to that, right? So there's going to be people that are going to have humans and they're going to figure out how to do it at a high touch kind of very premium white glove kind of level but then there's going to be a middle layer and a bottom layer and at somewhere and and they're going to the solutions are going to need to look different yeah um, to, to meet everybody's demands right absolutely and that's something we we think about with our competitors and you know who are we competing against and what are their strengths what are our strengths um and you know as much as i would love to win every deal i know we can't um, and more importantly, competition's good. And, and I think it's really yeah. important for any you know, executive to recognize that competition's a good sign because that means there's a really good market. Um, if, you don't, right. if there's no one else out there, um, you got a questionable market you're playing in. So let's talk about, I mean, I, I could talk, we probably have to do a whole nother podcast, just talk about audio description because I, I, I think there's still a lot to unpack with that and, and sort of all the different use cases. I, I agree it's an area of massive growth, um, but like I said, probably uh, leave that for another day. Um, talk about why this, so, so just to be clear uh, what happened, you acquired Caption Max and also uh, I believe it was National Captioning Canada or National yeah. Canadian Captioning. I, I, I don't know which yeah, one. Yeah, National but, Captioning, um, yep. <laughs> okay. So you acquired both of those. Was it the same day or was it all part of the same deal? And so tell me what exactly happened. Yeah. So, so it was part of the deal. So um, Caption Max had actually acquired National Captioning Canada, which we'll, we'll call NCC. So that's a little easier. Yeah. Um, so they acquired NCC and the great team up in Calgary uh, about a year ago. Um, and so the, the unfortunate reality of COVID and some of the border uh, restrictions was it was just very hard for them to make uh, a whole lot of progress. I mean, they made some very good progress in, in kind of bringing the companies together, um, but you know, there's still work to be done. And so in some ways, there are still some operations, you know, very much operating separately. I mean, and, you know, National Caption Canada has a, has a very strong brand in Canada. Um, so they've been operating as two separate brands to date. 
Um, so when we did the deal with Caption Max, both we, we basically got both. And so we've been talking about that because I think it's really important to recognize that there's a, a really strong presence in Canada, uh, which we're really excited about and part of, you know, definitely a, a big exciting factor in us doing the deal. Okay. And so you've now acquired this company and why, why did it make sense for you? What, what excites you about the, the acquisition and, and then what do you hope to do with it? Yeah. yeah so, so uh, first and foremost, growth. Um, so we have been growing organically for years. We've been growing faster over the last few years, which is really exciting. Um, but we've, we have not grown inorganically at all. Um, so we've, started to to be think about that and you know for us it was really important to figure out uh if we were going to grow inorganically it, it really needed to be something that would would be complementary um and that that was one thing that we we thought a lot about and, and that can mean a lot of things um the other was we wanted to find another company also growing organically um because you know because that that would be really exciting um and then the other part's cultural uh, and kind of what what did it mean to actually work with these people? Because you know that's really important too. So um, when we looked at Caption Max, there were, there were a few things that jumped out for us. One was um, the product set. So we are very excited about live captioning, but we're in the very early stages of it. And we just developed a product that we launched in the last year, um, really in the last few months, when it comes to human captioning. Um, they are experts at it. You know, NCC has been around for 30 years, uh, Caption Max, not much less than that. Um, they know live captioning very deeply and are real true experts at it. Um, and then, you know, audio description, we could talk about, uh, I agree, for a very long time. We've, we developed a solution that uses synthesized speech for, for scale purposes. Um, and they have a solution with human voice. So again, very complimentary. Um, we're really excited about the optionality and flexibility we can offer with both uh, for various reasons. So, so from a product standpoint, we saw some very real complimentary op opportunities to, to build. Um, from a, from a go-to-market standpoint, we both are very focused on customer delight, really offering a very high quality product, sometimes considered a premium product, um, and really doing right by the customer you know really you know never over promising and under delivering really delivering on what we promise and that that's something that we we saw in them it's something we take very seriously um and we're really excited to to work with a team that takes that approach and, and their customers validated that as well um so so those were some some pieces that really made a lot of sense for us and then um the canada part right geographic expansion that was very real. Uh, we, you know, Canada has some of the most progressive and most advanced accessibility laws in the world. Um, so there's a very real opportunity there. And you know, I think like any country, a lot of people would prefer to buy from providers in their own country, right? And that's been actually a, it's something we've found um, is that people would rather deal with a local company. Um, and so, so there's a real opportunity there. And then certainly Caption Max's foothold is more in the media space. And that's you know, still a growing part for us. Um, and so there, you know, certainly market expansion at a high level was, was, was very appealing to us. And so we just felt like there was a lot of alignment um, and certainly the growth aspect was very exciting to us and uh, we were able to make it work. And as far as like the management team of those companies, they'll largely stay intact. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that we were, we've been really excited about is, is the people. Um, they've got a great teams in both companies. Uh, they are very passionate 
um, and really dedicated to making something special here. And I think that's what's really nice is these are three companies coming together who are really dedicated to improving access to accessibility services. You know, I don't want to use the word access too much, but I think that's a real thing and, and really bring it to market in an innovative way um, and, and doing right by the customers and, and making sure that people can consume content in any way they want. And do you, I mean, this is a bit um, minutia around it, but will the brand stay the same or will they eventually all be under the three play brand or, and maybe so, that's a hot that is, a, that is a great question. It is one we're evaluating and we're going to evaluate really carefully, uh, to be honest. So we are going to create a whole brand strategy over the next couple of months. Uh, it's something that we're talking about actively. I think there are pros and cons with, with either approach that we're going to you know, analyze and, and consider. Um, but you know, there, there are certainly opportunities that are afforded when we you know, can consolidate operations, consolidate brand and all that. But sometimes that's not the best thing to do. So we, we just want to make sure we get it right. Um, and again, make sure the customers are getting what they want and what they expect. Um, so that, that'll be a, a, an ongoing conversation. So definitely a good one. Well, part, part two. Um, well, good. Well, Josh, thank you so much. Congratulations on the acquisition. Uh, obviously, um, CashMax is a, a, also an EGA member and we're uh, big fans of theirs. And uh, so we wish everybody the best of luck and, and much success uh, as you guys uh, embark on your new journey together. Thank you. We're, we're really excited about it. And uh, thanks for having me on. You've been listening to Telling Stories from the Clubhouse. Join us next week as we discuss more topics and tales about sharing stories with the world. 